Welcome to the Voo Church Podcast. Are you choosing bitterness or forgiveness? We've all experienced hurt that leaves us wounded. When this occurs, we have a choice to make, live with offense or walk the path of forgiveness. Today, Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. continues our collection of talks. I hate you, but it's killing me. In this message, A Bitter Pill, exploring the effects of offense and the opportunity Jesus provides to live free of bitterness and resentment. For more resources on forgiveness and healing, visit vuchurch.com slash heal. Now let's lean into the message together. Matthew chapter 24. I want to start in verse 10. It says this. This is Jesus. I want to preach it today from the New King James Version. It's how I learned it. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he, someone say, but he. But he who endures to the end shall be or will be saved. I've said it this way, that not every season is about conquering. Some seasons are just about enduring. What does it profit you if you're taking ground, if you don't know how to stand your ground? And uh, today, I, I want to preach from Matthew 24, and I've got a message on my heart. I know it's going to minister to some people today. I want to preach from the subject, a bitter pill. A, a bitter pill. Uh, we are continuing where we started last week. Last week, I began a collection of talks. That's just our custom and our tradition around here that we, we take a body of work and we try to reveal truths and try to give you God's word. And we started a collection of talks entitled, I Hate You, But It's Killing Me. And anybody in the room who's ever dealt with unforgiveness would discover that to be a true statement, that my hatred for you and my unforgiveness towards you, it's actually not hurting you. It's only hurting me. And I love this idea of I hate you, but it's killing me because uh, this word hate is a word that we Christians are not allowed to say. At least that's what my mom told me. <laughs> that's what I tell my kids. But when you look up the word hate, it just means an intense dislike. And I even challenged you last week. I said, who do you hate? What do you hate? And I did some more homework this week and I just started going through more things that I hate. <laughs> you know what I hate? I hate people that text, hey. Just, just me, or just text, hello. I'm like, did we just see each other? Um, I don't know what to do with that text. Like, it, now I'm in this response to like probe and ask a question. Like, if you got a question, just, hey, what's going on? How are you? But just, hey. I hate that. I hate people who talk in movies. Listen, <laughs> raise your hand if, 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 you, if you hate that. If you hate that, oh, yeah, we're, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. People that don't have your hands raised, I'm against you. I love my mother-in-law. God bless her. I got to be careful talking about my mother-in-law up here. But my mother-in-law thinks she is a YouTube commentator when we're watching a movie. Oh my goodness. Wow. What's going to happen next? I'm like, mom, come on. Let the movie come to us. You know, you know what I hate? This, this is true. This, I really, really hate this. Okay. I really hate this. I hate when I go to the gym. And I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing the exercise, and I, I'm now at rep 10. 
Okay, I'm at rep 10. And the trainer walks over at rep 10 to say, oh, no, no, your form's all wrong. Do it this way. And I'm like, oh, okay. And now in front of him, I do rep 11 the way that he says is correct. But now he keeps watching me. I'm like, bro, I got one more rep in me. That's it. Get over here earlier and inspect my work. Don't come at rep 10 and tell me it's wrong. I'm only giving you 12. I hate that. Somebody said amen. I was thinking about this word hate, just this intense dislike. And the truth is, is everything that I'm stating to you right now, I don't actually hate. You know what it is? I'm actually annoyed by it. I'm annoyed by it. I think it's important that as we're at the beginning of this collection, we're going to go for six weeks. I got a lot of things I want to share with you. Is that we make a difference and we differentiate between two types of people. Being self-aware is different from being self-absorbed. Being self-aware is different from being self-absorbed. Self-awareness is the idea of that you can look at yourself and you can look at your strengths, your weaknesses, and then as you examine yourself, you can understand how to be helpful to those around you. That as you look within, you know that people are complicated, that people have an inner life. And as you look at yourself, you can understand and create empathy for others because you're self-aware. Self-absorbed is very different. Because self-absorbed means that you are at the center of every story, you are at the center of the universe, and when you look at your life, you're putting yourself as the main character of every story and every narrative. The reason why it's important is because I meet a lot of people who think they're self-aware, but they're actually self-absorbed. And when you're self-absorbed, it's amazing how something that's just annoying can become offensive. It's good for you to recognize, you know, that kind of a thing. I got a pet peeve there. I got a struggle there. That, that, that's annoying. But the moment I make myself the center of the story, I can quickly jump from annoyance to that is offensive. Anyone notice, and I know it's just it, no one here but us, um, 2023, people are offended? You got to be careful saying this. You see, how, see how, I'm, how I'm wading into this? I'm trying to take you on a journey. I'm just trying to find an entry point, you know? Like, it's, my job is scary, y'all. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody now, thanks to the cell phone, has a microphone and a platform. And there is a spirit of offense all over the world. You can't say nothing without offending someone. Some of y'all who aren't clapping are like, I'm not sure, you're offending me now. There's a spirit of offense. I mean, we're offended with everyone. We're offended with our family, offended with our boss, offended with our church, offended at the dog. <laughs> I, was, um, I, was, uh, I was speaking at this event a couple of years ago. I'll never forget it. I was speaking at this event a couple of years ago. It's kind of this big sort of like corporate event. And it was a little me kind of like in some deep water, kind of a space that I, I wasn't all the way accustomed to. It was a big opportunity for me. And I went up and, you know, they, they're, they're sharp on time. I think I had 25 minutes and it's thousands of people. And I'm up there and I kind of give my keynote. I was like, I was feeling pretty good. Well, as soon as I got done, I was ushered into all these other types of like kind of post uh, keynote speech, little small spots. And so I found myself quickly coming off the stage, going downstairs into this studio room where I 
all of a sudden began doing different interviews and podcasts. And so I'm just doing one after the other. I haven't had like a moment to breathe or to even like reflect on what I just said up there. Was that good? Did that connect? Was that crazy? And I remember I was like in my third interview and it was this younger kind of teenage girl who was interviewing me for kind of some next gen content. She was asking me all these questions and I was just kind of being loose, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know what's going on. I'm just, I'm just trying to be kind, trying to be warm. And I'm like, yeah. And so no, bro. I was like, no, bro. No, no. I kept saying, bro. And um, I got done with the interview and that young girl, she loved it. I was like, oh, that was cool. We took a photo together, you know? But as I was walking out of the room, one of the producers who I never even saw in this dark room said, can I speak to you for a moment? I was like, yes. She goes, I just wanna let you know, I'm highly offended at that interview you just did. I said, okay, why? And she goes, every time you talk to that girl, you kept calling her bro. I was like, oh man, I'm from Miami. (laughs) I'm not trying to introduce gender politics. Bro is part of our natural vocabulary. Everybody's bro, my mom's bro, my dad's bro, my daughter's bro, my wife is bro sometimes. I'm a man of God, so I apologized and we reconciled. But quickly I'm like, oh, this is, this is what we're dealing with at times. A hypersensitivity, you're not even in the interview. I'm not even talking to you. She wanted to get a photo with me afterwards. You're offended for her. Some of y'all in this room, you're offended for people and they're not even offended. Can I just give you a word, Mike? You got enough battles to face. You don't need to go and take on unnecessary fights. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to preach freedom to some homes today. What I've learned is that the enemy has a plan in our life. And the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. And one of the most simple, basic things that he does is I think his primary tactic is he divides us in order to destroy us. He divides us in order to destroy us. And I could give you another time, another place, but just look at the church at large in America. I can't, I don't, how many, how many denominations are there? Did you hear that? Demon, demon, we just keep finding everything. Some of y'all catching it. Um, we're not gonna put this on YouTube. Um, someone will get offended. Uh, it, it, it's, it's about dividing. Because if he, if he cannot destroy you individually, he'll, he'll divide the body. Because in our division will come separation and destruction. Think about this idea of offense. Because quickly, if I'm self-absorbed, and if the whole world is all about me, I'm gonna jump from something that's simply just an annoyance to declaring it as offensive. I started thinking today, I wonder how many of us are here at church. I'm wondering, are you, um, are you carrying offense? Oh snap, he came back ready to preach. I'm using a prop. My first time using a prop. Are you, 
are you carrying, are you carrying offense? I just want, I want you to get a picture of what it looks like to have a spirit of offense. I'm pretty strong, y'all know that. And, um, <laughs> but this thing is slowing me down even right now. This thing is making me go slower into the future because I'm carrying a burden, I'm carrying a weight that I should not be carrying. And what so many people don't realize in 2023, and I'm just trying to get some revelation today. We got a lot more homework to do, but this is just a revelation type of message. This is an impartation message. Offense is a fence. Well, you see this. Offense is a fence. When I live offended, it's creating division and separation in the relationship. Offense is is offense. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19 says, a brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. Solomon knew this thousands of years ago that when you hold on to offense, your offense becomes like a fortified city. It locks you in. What's amazing to me is in Matthew chapter 24, all of you Bible scholars and all of you who love studying end times, Matthew 24 is Jesus describing what the earth will look like before he comes back. He's describing what the end days are. And just to go on record, I think we're in those last days. I think we're in the end times. Anybody like me, I'm just waiting for Jesus to come back. I still believe he's coming back for his bride. And Jesus, as he speaks, he gives lots of different descriptions. I challenge you, go and read 24, 25. But here in verse 10, what he says is, he says, in those last days, there will be many offended people. Now, here's what's interesting. That word offense in the Greek, when you go and look at it, is the word scandalon. And as you actually look at the translation of that Greek word, that word scandalon means a trap. John Bevere, one of my favorite authors and speakers, he talks about offense in the church as being the bait of Satan. That Satan uses offense to trap you. And so we go through life and we don't even realize it, but because we're self-absorbed many times, because we're not actually thinking about helping other people, because we don't realize the world is bigger, we kind of go through life and we just keep picking up offenses. We're walking through life and we are trapped in a fence and we don't even know it but like little by little things go on and and we're just we're getting separated you're not living in a big world you're not thinking big you're not thinking about changing the world you're not thinking about helping the world all of your life starts to become imprisoned and it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller because you're trapped in a fence what people don't realize is that when it comes to offense is that an offended heart births bitterness an offended heart births bitterness. And now I want to try to minister to our church a little bit because this is important. Bitterness is such a serious thing. I think a lot of the church today, I, I, I want to retract. I think a lot of believers today, I don't like church shaming. I think a lot of believers today are nursing hurts instead of trying to heal from hurts. Look at what Hebrews chapter 12 says. This, this, this is like, this is one of these verses that changed my life. 
That's the power of the living word of God. That as you read it, homie, it's gonna read you. By the way, some of y'all are like, this man's got a purple sweater on. That's because I'm Miami till I die. Enter Miami, messy. Messy. I've always been a messy fan. Me and him go way back. Argentina days, you know? I wore my purple for the team. Watch what Hebrews chapter 12 says. It says this, he says, make every effort, please listen to this. Make every effort to live in peace. We could just stop right there and start teaching this exegetically. Are you making every effort to live in peace? This is to Christians now. This is to followers of Jesus. Make every effort to live in peace. Husband, make every effort to live in peace with your wife. Wives! Don, she's preaching the collection. She can come up and have her day as well, okay? But wives, make every effort to live in peace with your husband. Parents, make every effort to live in peace with your kids. Kids, make every effort to live in peace with your parents. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Watch this. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. And here it is. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See, offense births bitterness. But people don't pay near enough attention to bitterness. Because bitterness is not just a moment or a thing or a singular event. Bitterness is a root system. Bitterness is a growth mechanism. That when you allow bitterness into your heart, what begins to spring up from your life is never ever fruit of the Spirit, but instead, when bitterness is in your heart, it all becomes about acts of the flesh. What we don't realize is that bitterness contaminates things and bitterness keeps us trapped and bitterness pollutes things and bitterness walls us in and bitterness stops us from stepping into a future and bitterness holds us back from becoming who God's called us to become and bitterness little by little starts challenging our life and makes my life small and makes my life contained and traps me in it and I'm wanting to move forward and I'm, I'm wanting to make an impact and I'm wanting to fulfill the things that God's put in my heart but I don't realize that I'm starting to be caged in because I've taken the trap of offense that's given birth to bitterness and now bitterness has a root system that's making it bleed all over my life. I understand that people in this room, I said it last week, have gone through terrible things, hurtful things. But just because you've gone through hurtful things doesn't mean that you are excused not to do the work of removing the hurt. Why is this important? Because unaddressed hurt turns to hate. And when you have hate in your heart, watch this, you become just like the people who hurt you. I wrote it down this way. I want you to get this. I've been telling you, you gotta take some notes in this collection. Write this down. It's not what you went through, but how you interpret what you went through that most often leads to bitterness. Let me say it one more time. It's not what you went through, but it's what you interpret of how what you went through that most often leads to bitterness. I'm not saying that what you went through wasn't difficult, what you went through wasn't unjustified and wrong, but how you begin to interpret that is where you give the enemy a foothold in your life. This is some old school preaching now. A foothold? 
Yeah, we give the enemy an inch and he takes our life a mile. Maybe you're here today and you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm, if I'm bitter. Let me just give you a couple signs of bitterness. Because bitterness has a sound. Don't point at your spouse right now. This is for you, okay? You ought to hear this, babe. Okay, we get it. <laughs> bitterness always sounds judgmental. You know judgmental people? It's like you can come into church and just judgmental. Oh, it's too dark. It's too bright. They sing bad songs. They need to sing good songs. Oh, preacher's got a sweater on. Hey, whatever it is. A bitter person, what seeps out of their life is criticism. They're cynical. They always focus on what's wrong rather than see what's right. Bitter people, they sound defensive. They're never wrong. Let me just tell you, if you're never wrong, you're wrong. If you're never wrong, that's a clear sign. You're wrong. But bitter people can't admit when they're wrong. Bitter people can't notice when they're wrong. They just live their life defensive. No, 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 you don't understand what happened to me. I would forgive, but you don't know what I went through. You don't know them like I know them. It's just all defensive. Bitter people sound like a broken record. Meaning they just replay the hurt. You meet people, right? They're trapped in like 1999. You're like, dude, it's 2023. You're still talking about this? And what you'll see with the broken record is that they don't just replay the hurt in their mind. You'll see this. I'm just coming. I know it's offensive, but sometimes you gotta hear it. They will find as many people as they possibly can to tell their story to. Listen to me. I'm a big, big advocate that when you're hurt, you need an outlet to share what happened with you. Some of you, your whole problem is that you just balled it all up and there's this inner rage on the inside of you. You need to talk to someone, but you don't talk to everyone. You don't take your hurts to YouTube. Let me tell you what they did to me. What does YouTube have to do with your hurt? You take it to someone, not to everyone, but a bitter person is a broken record. Every dinner table comes up. Every outing, it comes up. They, they, they can't help it, they begin to share it. A bitter person, they sound manipulative. What is manipulative? It, it, it's, it's trying to direct you to their goal without recognizing the other narratives, the other parts of the story. Is how you know you're talking to a bitter person. When they have an offense with someone and they want you to be just as offended as they are. And they're not gonna be happy with you until you get offended with them. Friends, this is so destructive in the body of Christ. Just because that person hurt you doesn't mean that they hurt everybody else. But you're blinded by bitterness and now you're manipulating, trying to control the narrative about that person. And what does a bitter person sound like? They sound vengeful. Because it's not enough for them to get justification. They also want to make that person pay. And before we make it like really massive, you ever been there? Like, cause I have. You ever been there where you're like, someone really wronged you, really hurt you? And you did the Christian thing, heck, God is good, bless you, it's okay. But then secretly you're like, how are they doing? Guess what that is? That's a root of bitterness. I wonder if they're succeeding without me. Oh, they're not. <laughs> That's vengeful. And you've got to identify it. You've got to recognize it. What I know about bitterness is that anger is its partner. 
some of you right now in life, you're having these outbursts of anger. You're saying things and doing things. You're kind of cool and all of a sudden there's a big outburst. There's a rage, it's a loud rage. But others of you, it's like, I don't have a loud rage. I know you have this inner quiet anger. Many times we call that depression. Many people are depressed in the body of Christ today because they haven't addressed the root of bitterness. They're trying to fight back psychologically, not recognizing that this is a spiritual matter, that they're gonna have to uproot something and address it, otherwise it's gonna continue to take them down a path of being trapped. Here's what's amazing about Matthew 24, is I believe in this passage that we're reading that Jesus is actually talking to the church. I don't mean it's just broad to the world. I think in the church, there's a spirit of offense and the enemy's using it to divide us in order to destroy us. And here's what's so important that you see is that Jesus, he continues and he says in verse 11, he says, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Please write this down. Bitterness is fertile ground for deception. Offense births bitterness, but then bitterness is fertile ground for deception. What Jesus is saying is in these last days, everyone's gonna be offended, but then there will be teachers even in the church that will rise up, that will coddle you in your offense, that will enable you to remain a victim that will enable you to be justified in your hurts and in your pain. And while they're doing it, while their heart might so-called be a good intention, what they're leading you to is a spirit of lawlessness because bitterness pollutes everything and it's the deception of the enemy. The enemy's main tactic as he divides us is he does it through deception. He is the father of lies. Deceived people are extremely defensive people can't give them any truth. You can't share anything. No, you don't understand. You don't get it. You don't know what I walked through. You don't know my mom. You don't know my dad. You don't know the home I grew up in. That's easy for you to say, Rich. Your life's perfect up there preaching at me. You have no idea. And all the while, they just keep laying down their bitterness and it puts them in a place that they're trapped. They're deceived. And I wonder today how many of us, this is a picture of what our life looks like. It's, it's like you, 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 you wanna step into the future God has for you, but I can preach to you all sorts of principles and truths. But when you're deceived, when you're believing a lie, that's the scary thing about deception, right? Proverbs says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. He's talking about deception. Deception means I believe this to be so true, but I don't know that the way that I'm going is actually imprisoning me right now. And this offense and this bitterness is now springing up and the enemy, he has a foothold in my life. 
Here's what's fascinating that you've got to see about the enemy getting a foothold in your life when it comes to this idea of bitterness and deception is before you know it, you start looking a whole lot more like Satan than you do Jesus. Satan, by definition, is the accuser of the brethren. Jesus is the great advocate. When you have a root of bitterness in your life, you become an accuser instead of an advocate. What does the accuser do? He blames you. He points a finger at you. He ridicules you. He shames you. He tells you it's all your fault. He wants to hurt you. But it's not who Jesus is. Jesus is the great advocate. He's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He heals. He forgives. He helps. He shows up. He's kind. He's good. He's merciful. He sets you free. Whenever my life is marked with accusation, instead of being an advocate, I gotta look within and say, is there a root of bitterness? Is there a root of bitterness? See, people don't understand how serious this is. A root of bitterness is giving a foothold to the enemy. And many of us in this room, even as I'm preaching, I didn't come with practical steps today. I just came with the word of God trying to break through that heart because listen to me. Bitterness, I think, is one of the most common strongholds in the church today. Now I am talking to the church. You know what a stronghold is? Get that term so confused in church today. A stronghold is just any area of your life that a wall, that a fence is put up that will not allow the truth of God's word to get in. And unforgiveness might be the greatest stronghold in the church today. That somehow we justify why we're hanging on to our bitterness. We justify why our offense is okay to hold. We justify why we're defensive. We justify why we're a broken record. This week, We've been in 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's been so incredible. I'm just, everyone online right now, anyone who's watching, I just encourage you, you come be a part of the journey. Every morning at 6.30 a.m., we gotta figure out a way tomorrow to open up more space because I think there's thousands coming Wednesday night. I mean, all of it's incredible. But I think it was day four. We have a focus and the focus was intercession. And intercession is just that biblical word that means you're praying for other people. You know what's really incredible, you guys? Not one time in the New Testament can I find that Jesus ever advocates for you to pray for your mom. He never says, yo, go, go pray for your dad. He never says, pray for your brother. Of course, he wants us to pray for our mom, our dad, and our brother. But the only specific person he tells you to advocate for is your enemy. He tells you to pray for those who persecute you. Why? Because praying for those you love is sincerity but praying for those who hurt you is maturity in the Lord. I'm fighting back, and I'm not fighting back with hate. I'm fighting back with love. You offended me, I'm gonna bless you. You hurt me, I'm gonna choose to help you and love you. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to destruction. I want you to get this visual today, because so many of us in this room 
as we shift from being self-absorbed to being self-aware, the whole world's not all about me, it's about God and his story. I can recognize the petty stuff, that's not just annoying, but that did even hurt me. But I'm not gonna let a spirit of offense get me because a spirit of offense is giving birth to bitterness. Bitterness is fertile ground for deception. And if I live in deception for too long, deception leads to my destruction. I wonder how many of us in this room today, you're trapped in offense. Offense is offense. Hate is a gate. (laughs) Bitterness is a cage. Unforgiveness is a prison, according to Jesus last week. So I wonder, what bitter pill have you taken? Because some of you have swallowed the pill of bitterness and it's left you in a cage and it's killing you. But today, I didn't come talking about that pill. I came in preaching about a bitter pill. And maybe nobody ever told you this, but sometimes God's word is a bitter pill going down. But as you absorb it and as you apply it, I want to let you know today that you will know the word and the word will set you free. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I know it's a bitter pill to accept that truth, but as you let that digest, freedom is on the other side. I'm breaking out of this prison. My hate for you is killing me. So the bitter pill is the truth of God's word. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Here's the truth. If you're a follower of Jesus, you'll spread the word for me. If if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't have the right to be offended. That's the kind of language that gets you in trouble on the internet. That's the kind of language that right away, people with microphones and platforms, you don't know my story. You're right, I don't. But I'm not talking to the world today. I'm talking to the church of Jesus Christ. Last time I checked, you died with Christ and it was Christ who resurrected through you. It's not you who's living, but rather it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. If he's in me and he chose to forgive, I don't have any other way. I don't have any other right other than to forgive. So if if you've got a fence called a fence, you got a cage called hate it's just work you genuinely have to go back to the place and you have to listen to me you have to uproot bitterness you have to face your offense and you have to lay it down 
You gotta uproot bitterness. You gotta face the offense. You gotta lay it down. I gotta uproot it. I gotta face it. I gotta lay it down. I gotta uproot it. I'm not giving the enemy a foothold in my life. I gotta lay that thing down. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm preaching about the freedom of Jesus Christ in this place. I'm not giving the enemy a foothold in my life. It's not that you didn't hurt me. It's not that it didn't mess with me. It's that I'm not gonna allow it to control me. Jesus has forged a path called forgiveness. Sit down, I gotta show you this, I gotta show you this. Because this is, this is gonna help the rest of your life, what I'm about to show you. The rest of your life, I don't care where you go, I don't care if you live in Miami, I don't care if Boo Church is your church, the rest of your life, get this picture. Every healthy relationship, every long-lasting relationship, every relationship that's worth keeping will only last when people lay down their offense. I want to say it this way. My wife, there's nobody closer to me on the earth than my wife. Do you know what the bridge between my wife and I is? It's riddled with a path of laid down offenses. The only way you walk into the future with any person is the bridge for me to you, the gap to me and you is, is offenses that have been laid down. I know you can't see it in the natural, but the only way I can be married for 17 years, the only way I can love a woman for 21 years and keep it exciting and keeping it fun is not because we haven't hurt one another, not because we haven't been bitter towards one another, but it's because we've chosen to uproot it and lay it down. And if you can see it, constantly we're crossing the bridge and we're walking on top of all sorts of offenses laid down. But this is true with your children. This is true with your parents. This is true with your coworkers. This is true with your church. I think if we could see in spiritual eyes what God wants to do in this body and what God wants to do with Boo Church across this city, the only way we get there is not that we won't offend each other. It's not that I won't say something stupid from this platform that will hurt you or mess with you. It's that each and every one of us have to uproot it, lay it down, and now there's free ground for us to walk towards each other because we're walking on top of the fences. When I think about Calvary's Hill, I think about Jesus heading up on top of Golgotha. You better believe that I know the road to Calvary was dirt, but it was also a row with offenses. That he chose not to give me what I deserve, but rather he laid his very life down and from a cross on top of every offense after we had stripped him naked, after we had spit on him, after we had hurled insults, the cross stands on top of every offense that I have committed against Jesus. And Jesus says, I've trampled it, I've destroyed it, I've forgotten it. I forgive you. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Bitterness wants revenge, but forgiveness wants reconciliation. 
Bitterness is always causing other people to hurt, but forgiveness causes us to heal. Bitterness is all about keeping score. Forgiveness is all about losing count. Bitterness keeps you trapped, but forgiveness sets you free. Bitterness lives in the past, but I didn't come today to preach about your past. I came to remind you that in Jesus Christ, you can be forgiven and forgiveness dreams about your future. Come on, if you believe today, go ahead and give God some praise. Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we want to create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present, and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in the next steps on your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com slash online. We love you.